You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, fellas. How you doing this week? Welcome. David Hall. My vacation has begun, but my bags are not packed. Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. And Justin Pearson. What's up, my friends? Coming up on the show today, after NASCAR's first time back at North Wilkesboro since its revival, we'll see how iRacing's version compares to real life. We reminisce about the event that should have been this week, look what we would like to see in the future of iRacing, and more strange wheels. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show for yourself and see all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So log on, and we'll see you then. Well, how many of y'all spent any time running around North Wicksboro last week? Ooh, ooh. Great track. I actually won the uh, at Wilkesboro in the winter series. Um, my first, only win of that series um, over the winter, so pretty proud of that. Yeah, I just ran one race there this week in the street stocks. Um, fun? No, it's good. I actually I did- took a slight vacation last week. I took a break altogether on iRacing all seven days. I just ran a lot of road course uh, stuff last week. Um, well, somebody who also jumped on the North Wheel track in iRacing was Kyle Larson. And uh, he wasn't impressed, was he, Mike? No, we did have a tweet from, or no, a Facebook post from Bill Nolan, who captured a uh, quote from Kyle Larson, uh, the eventual winner of the All-Star race and the truck race. He actually swept both. He said, just after the truck practice, quote, I tried about 10 laps or so on iRacing at North Wilkesboro, and it was a complete waste of my time. The track is nothing like iRacing has at all. So what's the source for the comment? Oh, is this maybe a fake comment? I don't know. (laughs) I mean, there's no source. There's no source linked to it or, or nothing. So it is what it is. However, if it is real criticism, I appreciate it coming from an actual driver criticizing it than some whatever YouTuber that's never driven a race car. So there, if it is Kyle um, expressing his opinion, it is true. Then you know, kudos to that. Maybe they do have some work. But again, there, there's no link to this this post anywhere. I mean, who did he say this comment to? Just some guy walking by. So I just, I was gonna say it. I would assume it'd be somebody probably interview him, ask a question if he used it, use sim racing. Uh, to practice because it's a new track yeah um i was gonna say didn't they pave bits of it like uh down on the apron and uh pit road entry and 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 kyle was actually getting down like all four wheels onto that apron at some point where there was fresh out asphalt i presume that's what's different 
I mean, what else? I mean, it was a laser scan. Yeah, because there's grass there in in the iRacing version, so they repaved that with you saw fresh hot asphalt. Another thing that changes even the old surface is sealer, which is a little bit harder to scan because that's something they can put down uh, literally right before the race, um, and that will change change the way the track handles as well. Now, did they add the uh, safer barrier? Yes. That's different too, right? Yeah, it's going to affect your exits and all that. Now, do you guys see Larson using these exact comments? Well, now that you point that out, uh, probably not. I mean, he's he's usually an iRacing fan, if anything. And it's kind of a derogatory comment. Well, anybody got his phone number? We can shoot him and ask him. <laughs> Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more from this quote about why it was different. What made it different was it just the, those different changes with the with the asphalt and the and the and the uh, the safer barrier, or was there something about the surface that's not quite right? So, because you know, like we said in the intro, this is the first time you know NASCAR trucks or and cars have actually been on this track in real life. So up until now, iRacing had nothing in the real world to compare it to. So. Um, I'd be. I'd like to hear more feedback. Maybe, maybe he knows somebody in iRacing that he can talk to about, you know, why it was different, what made it, what made it so far off. But uh, that, I'd like to hear, hear see more information about this. That's all. All right. Next up, Donnie, we've got a video involving the Clio Cup. Yeah, a tweet from iRacing shows driver Arthur Thurtle missing carnage in the Clio Cup. Um, I can't see the track. I, I don't notice the track right off the bat, but he's driving the Clio. It's a Clio race, and he has to go off track at some point, goes through the middle, and it's kind of exciting. Have you guys driven this car yet? I, I, I don't think I hate the sound of it. Yeah, you can hear the, but it, is, it looks like an exciting race, though. Yeah, you can hear him get on the brakes with the, the, the squeal in there as well. But it does remind me of you know production car racing at uh, free tracks, and if you get involved in any of these, it's kind of like that on the first lap. And and I actually kind of excel at that, like getting several spots on the first lap um, because other people taking advantage of other people having bad luck, I guess, and, and wrecking out. And this is kind of that kind of video where they're all wrecking in front of him to the left, to the right, and he kind of squirrels through them and he makes his way through and, and uh, no carnage. But uh, no, I don't think I'm going to buy this car. Not when I have the Toyota 86, you know, for free. So lately I've been um, watching on YouTube a lot of uh, combat simulator or I forget what it's called, DCS, I think. It's mostly a flight sim. I've been watching a lot lately. Um, and I think uh, iRacing has been stealing some of their code. Don't you think, Brian? Well, uh, judging by this video that was posted here by actually Bobby Lazinski and uh, Zelinski, I'm sorry. And um, so it's a it's a short little video, but uh, he's driving down. I'm, I'm thinking it might be Monza. I'm not sure which track it is, but uh, he's in a Porsche and uh, he's heading down the back straight. There's a car that's wrecked in front of him, facing him. And, you know, the Porsches have that low um, that low ramp style uh, hood to it. And he uh, decided to to take advantage of that ramp and hit it. And it wasn't just a flip or anything like that. He got shot in the air like he was flying in a plane, and uh, and it was actually really, really good, 
you know the way the way you could see the land around it and he's and he's floating through it looked realistic like he's actually flying so um so even though it was obviously a, an exaggerated crash um the the view from where he was the view from the car as he's as he's flying around was actually really cool I think it was funny on the way down how it just the physics of it it floated like a feather <laughs> all the way down and then when it landed it was like it landed on a cushion of air also went that quiet like it would you would imagine if you just went up in the air a couple hundred feet it got real quiet um i heard some kind of soundtrack to the back of it maybe they're adding to it maybe they quieted the sound as well but the the sound was kind of eerie like like justin said the the physics of it are are amazing because it gets to that peak where it ain't going any higher and it's about to go down and you can feel see it start to go down but then you see that the the air catches the bottom of it and it slows it just a little bit because of the air resistance i mean you can see that in the physics freaking cool yeah, i was i was actually surprised how much of the um you know the ambient part of the world that you could see when he's up in there you know you, you don't just see the track limits and that's it you actually can see way off into the horizon and it, and it looks pretty fairly convincing for a game that's not meant to uh you know show the horizons and stuff and and all this extra detail around the track yeah, especially for that old dated graphic engine at one point, the moon is in perfect frame right outside the windshield too, as he's going up. And uh, but you like, like you said, it's all encompassing, very realistic. Is that the moon? I don't think they ever modeled the moon. I thought it, it's probably the sun. Maybe the sun. Yeah, I don't know. But you see that circle up there at some point. Maybe it was visitors. We'll have to have a uh, government do the report on that one for what is it? Unidentified aerial phenomena now UAP. They have had to change the name of that, just like they've had to change the name of everything else. Something that we finally learned how to pronounce is the Porsche Tag Heuer eSports Super Cup. Right, Brian? Steve corrected us on that, I believe. Yeah, well, we've been corrected on that for a while. But um, yeah, so uh, this past weekend was the Porsche Super Cup series uh, brought to you by Tag Heuer. And uh, um, they were, this is the next to last round uh, before the finale, which is in uh, two weeks, I believe. And um, the win goes to Johan Harth. It's actually his first win in the uh, Porsche uh, Super Cup series. So uh, congratulations to him. Um, Alejandro Sanchez finished second. Charlie Collins was third. Um, now they raced at Le Mans, but not the Grand Prix track. They raced at the 24 hour track. So, um, Kind of like uh, the Nurburgring, uh, you know, it wasn't a ton of laps. I think it was a six-lap feature race uh, because of the size of the of the track there. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, now um, the the points leader uh, Jordan Caruso, who you know had a pretty handy lead, go with two laps, two races to go. He actually didn't do well. He finished 25th in the feature and lost uh, quite a bit of points. Um, Sebastian Job now is in second. And uh, has closed to within uh, 38 points, I think it is. Uh, um, so it's it's not a s insurmountable lead, but it's a very comfortable lead going into the uh, to the finale next uh, next time at Monza. So uh, one race left to go. It looks like Jordan Caruso should be able to hold on to it, but you never know. Uh, crazy things have happened. Jobs in second in points. Zach Campbell finishing in third right now. 
Yeah, and as far as the All-Star uh, events, Kerwin officially wrapped up that championship with the win, sitting at 117 points over Meyer with one event to go. All right, guys, well, I'm sure we'll all want to chime in on this one. Uh, but the uh, it's coming up on Memorial Day weekend, and there's an event not happening. All right, and uh, Team I5G has reminded us all that it would have been that week and ask people to talk about their favorite 500 memories. Yeah, yeah last well, weekend would have been the weekend we ran it. Well, I only have one memory. That was from last year. That was my first uh, Indy 500. I don't remember what I qualified, but I finished uh, P4. And was I ran the entire NIS equivalent season up until that point, then I actually joined you guys, and I had to give up something to join NIS. But I was looking forward to continuing it this year until the crap storm that happened at the end of last year. So, yeah, hopefully we get it back soon. I was never able to enter one yet, unfortunately. My career started too late. It's definitely one of those crown jewels that you want to win on iRacing, um, like some of the big races, like this week's Coke 600 um, and some other key events. But, yeah, I think the Indy 500 is all on everybody's list. There are a couple of tweets we put on the script here I was going to read out loud. Uh, Matt Hollenbaugh, he said, uh, I still think one of my greatest achievements in competition of any form is making the field of 33 in 2020. My heart is broken right now. That Can I even attempt to do it the same thing again? And then at Brian Greenlee, 82, I will always be proud of my P2 in the event, one of the proudest days as a sim racer iRacing and MSG should be ashamed of what they have done to us. I, I have the win, so I can, I can definitely have that as a memory. Um, and it, it's the weirdest win that I actually almost kind of sort of called my shot where I was just, I, uh, Adam will always talk about it, how I just said, okay, I think it's time to go. And I just started going towards the front. And I can't remember how it ended. I just remember, remember that moment specifically. It's been heartbreak for me. I, I've never had a good result, really, at the Indy 500. Um, it's one of those places. Uh, <laughs> so I'm not sure what they've done in the past for you guys, but if uh, the Brickyard goes back to the Oval next year, do you think they'll make that a special event or just make it a regular rotation on NIS? Bleah. I hope not. I we We used to do the Brickyard as a full-distance race one year or two years, and uh, that's not pleasant. Ah, the new car might be better. Well, NASCAR's got to go back there first. That's what I mean. If they announce that they're going to go back next year, which they possibly might uh, go back to the oval, I don't know. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I never, I never ran an Indy 500, um, but it's always something I wanted to do. I just never, never fit it in my schedule. Um, but now that it's not, it's like I want it even more. You know, it's it's weird. So. If it comes back, I'm definitely a lot more likely to do it just because, you know, you, you now you know that stuff can be taken away that that is really cool and it could just disappear one day. You know, you got to take better advantage of those opportunities that that I missed out on. So um, I sure hope it comes back. And uh, if it does, I will definitely make a point to make sure I hit it. Well, you weren't kidding when you were light on the green topics today, are we? Are we, Mike? <laughs> All right, so next up, what we do have is the all I want for patch day is my. So who wants to go first? All right, uh, so we're supposed to list off three things 
that you want in iRacing for the build. And I picked Choose Cone for NASCAR. And I want the stats to show me where I am in my division. But not only that, how about super stats powered by chat GPT? How about to what? something really cool? Meaning, I don't know, some kind of like, like I said, super stats. So you know how you've ordered nachos and then there's super nachos. Very good. Something like racing reference would have. Right. Like a racing reference on steroids, you know, that you don't have to program, but it gives you, it, it, you know, it burps it out to you, you know, very easily and digestible content. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, and then how about drags? How about let's race in a straight line for the first time? Interesting. I always saw drags come up in the forums and I mean, we have the equipment. I'm just curious how popular it could be. Cause I've also heard of monster trucks. People get excited about monster trucks and, and I'm just curious what we could do and how long it would, how long it would last. Do you guys get into drag racing in real life watching it? I can't, no. I have Pomona right, right down the hill from me and I just can't get into it. I can't have, either. Have you ever been to Pomona? Yeah, I've been there. I've been there. I've, I've actually been on the track as well with my own car, but I just, I, I, when I was younger, I, pr I appreciate the, the craft and what they have to do to build those machines. I just, for the actual racing aspect, I can't, I can't get behind it, but for the power, for the, for what they do um, is impressive. I look at it on a money level, you know, you buy two race cars one's a drag car one's a circle car circle track car i get more use at that circle track car i get a longer funner night instead of you know 13 seconds or 15 seconds or whatever you know what is what's our special event that we ran last night or a few of us coca-cola 600. 600 miles it wasn't the coca-cola 60 meters there used to be a, a video a pc game way back in the day 20 years ago where it was almost like you have to build your own car it was a drag racing car but you could race for pinks virtually like, like the car you actually spent your money and time on you could race it against other people and and lose that car that was a that was a fun type of game um but heck that was i don't even remember the name of it a long time ago what else did you bring up mike that that's it on my list well, going back to drag racing real quick, I think part of the issue would be is that drag racing is so uh, dependent on the build, the motor builders, you know, it's it, and, you know, you'll be able to fine tune the, the thing before you race it, but um, it's more of a motor builder thing than anything. And, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of um, issues in drag racing where things blow up and just stuff happens and, you know, is that something that they would want? You know, it, would it be fun if you know your engine's never going to blow up unless you do something as a driver, not necessarily just a, a failure? And um, you know, would would that take away from the drag racing experience when when you know you don't have those problems? Um, I'm not sure. I, I I like the idea of it. I'm just not sure how well it would translate in iRacing. I think it translates better in a in a console type of game where maybe you can buy product buy uh buy different things and upgrades and stuff like that and and swap out parts or something like that but uh to me it seems like it's more of a console uh friendly thing than an iRacing friendly thing i agree all right justin did you but, come up with any wishes yeah i i was thinking about it a little bit i hope 
you know, in the future, and I imagine it'll get to that point sometime, the damage model get more detailed as um, as a simulator. I think it would give a lot more immersion to the race. You know, you know, you, you hit the wall and your radiator blows out and it, you get the effect of more of the engine temps and just more detailed stuff like that. You know, fenders crumpling, affecting, you know, tire wear, rubbing on the tire, if that all makes sense. Yeah, you got a right front smoking because you 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 door banged with Kyle Larson, right? And and uh, you see that smoke coming up off the right front, and the the spotter saying pit pit pit. Because right, yeah, you 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 rub a fender on a sidewall or put a sidewall on the exhaust, you know that your tire's going to blow up. That doesn't happen in I racing. Yeah, and that you know the cars are built like tanks. I think in this simulator, I. I think they take a lot more abuse than they do in real life. Um, the next-gen car is a tank in real life, too. Uh, in the old damage model or in the old older car, you ding the wall and you're going to go slower. That's true. It, the old car was like that. It was very susceptible to damage. I mean, last, last night I got squeezed into the wall Um racing at the end because we were forced three wide and I did my best to not bounce off the wall and literally just scraped the wall on the straightaway and was able to get off of it before the corner two or three times. But you know, and it's just the way that car is designed. If you do that, if you squeeze into the wall in the gen six, you, you, you might not lose your short run speed, but your long run speed has gone. You know, it's crazy because I've had this complaint recently too, Justin, and I, I agree with what you're saying. And I also agree with what David's saying because it is a tank. But I like when you're watching a race in, in real life, and I just don't think iRacing could probably match the physics perfectly for each actual incident that's happening with the different types of tracks, different types of speeds, different type of wall angle. It's just going to be hard because you'll watch one guy hit, hit, hit the wall and his toe link spin. You're like, wait a second. You know, like the other guy didn't bend his toe link and he hit the same exact thing. So, and how the build quality of the teams putting the cars together, I think that all plays into it. And that just would be hard, in my opinion, for iRacing to, to, to match evenly. However, now when you see a car get T-boned and then the one car drives away just fine, that, that kind of bothers me. But that, that is, I don't know. I don't know how hard it would be to, to get it perfect. And that kind of, ties in with my second thing i was kind of thinking of i don't know if you guys would entertain something like have you guys ever played call of duty like uh hardcore mode where it's more sensitive you only take one shot instead of 10 like i'm aware of it okay <laughs> I haven't done it. <laughs> but maybe have a version of iRacing like that here where it's more sensitive with the X's, with the damage, and maybe it would really segregate the real clean drivers and make it more better. Well, well there's a place that basically does that. It's called OBRL, where they we only get like five X's in a race. Yeah. So I've thought about this, and I, I think they do actually do it, like on short track racing. I think they're more lenient on your X's because in short track racing, you want to be able to use the cars to 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 get your way by not you know aggressively you're not going to wreck nobody but i've noticed like the same amount of impact you'll take on a short track um you won't garner the x as you would at as a, as a mile and a half or maybe they have that built in or maybe i'm just thinking crazy but i always felt like maybe because if you start raising the x limit then 
crap's going to happen. If you start downplaying the X's, then like Brian got DQ'd a couple weeks ago in OBRL and they have an eight X limit. I'm thinking like, not all the time is that your fault and in four X's or four X's sometimes, and maybe something like a net code. I mean, I mean, that'd be rough. I'm going to talk about my race last night, just a little bit right now. I had a, I was the first caution. I got hit dumped four X. Okay. Then I ran like 30 laps and then, in this course of two laps, I got eight X uh, on the front stretch, two laps in a row where we were side by side. We barely touched doors, whatever. I didn't, there was no wreck, nobody wrecked. And I ended up with four X on each one. So I'm like up to 12 all of a sudden. It's like, okay, I'm at 12 and it really should be four. Yeah, Tartan, that's always been in the forums. That This topic specifically about incident points has been in the topic since I've been here, day one. And um, it's just, it's hard. It's uh, I don't know if there's a solution for it. Side note, Brian, on that OBRL league, how do you qualify for that? Um, what do you mean? Is it a normal qualifying sessions and stuff? No, like, how do like you get the league? The league. Like, how do you get in? I've uh, never ran a league. Like, fully. there's the only real, uh, the only real things that they have is uh, the, you have to be minimum 35 years old. You have to have an I rating under 3,500. So they're trying to eliminate some of the aliens out of the league, keep it a little bit more um, for the common folk. Um, and and they want older guys over 35. I don't know if it was signed to be get guys who are a little bit more mature, maybe have a little bit more um, more respect on the racetrack. Than, than some of the young guys who are a little, little, little hair on fire type of stuff. Um, you would just at that. Other than that, you would just put in your application. I know they do a review of your iRacing history and stuff like that, but um, that's pretty much all you do. Gotcha. No, no money is involved. Um, donations are are welcome, but not required. But yeah. I mean, the, the guys do a lot, a lot for the league. Who the admins, Dwayne, um, and all, all of his team do a really good job. Um, they they review every race afterwards. They review all the incident points, incidents that happen, and you know make judgments if somebody was at fault and issue penalties and stuff like that. But that's all after the fact. As far as getting in, that's really the only requirements. Yeah, two just, years too young. Uh, ju- I've been uh, stocking their page for a while, considering it. I might jump into it. Uh, next season but it's kind of cool they have you can correct me if i'm wrong brian they have arc xfinity trucks and cup and they're different nights of the week i would just have to find one that fit uh so sunday night is cup so that's probably my best option because i think the other ones are during the week but uh yeah it's been what i've been looking for probably the closest thing i'd want in a league but i just got to make the commitment do they have drop weeks no drop weeks <laughs> no now the the cup series is a pretty much a, a race for race um um, comparison with the actual cup series. So, you know, it's a full length race. The, um, the other three series or actually the truck and the Arca are, um, 13 week seasons. So it's 13 weeks and everything resets after that. So, um, the, uh, the Arca series doesn't have a playoff anymore. Um, the other series I believe have, uh, playoffs that you have to make, um, but yeah, it's, it's still a really great league. Um, Monday night Arca races i want to get back into that as soon as i from this craziness in my schedule but um but sunday sunday night league used to be sunday morning that didn't work sunday night does so um i've been racing all the cup races that i that I, that have come up did you have a third one 
That's all I can think of right now, David. All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump on mine next. Um, I mentioned the Choose Cone as well, but that was not my first choice. The first one is I would like to see them have cars that come out of the pits late not get to pass penalty cars that are already in the pack. Because oh, yeah. it really stinks to get a black flag when you're coming to the green and then it suddenly says, oh, let this guy by. You get the wave around and somebody's coming off pit road. Yeah. yeah it honestly seems like an easy fix. Yeah, but it's just never been a priority. I think if you stay out in the pit in the pit or the pace car is less than 10 seconds behind you, then you should just take the spot where you where you come out. Like close pit road. Where you blend in. They should allow it where he blends in or he gets an end of line. If you if you leave pit road exit on the one to go or during the one to go, you should have an end of line. I, mean, I would rather them see him just have it where you blend in because if it does end of line, that's going to cause even more problems with the people who were waving around, right? And that drives me crazy that people don't know simple procedure of wave around. Like you're supposed to go at speed until you get to the pack so you don't miss the start. And inadvertently, I'm like a half lap back every time the green comes up. Yeah, every time we waved around last night, we had to wait on a a car coming out of the pits fixing damage. We still made it in time, though. We got up. We got up there every time. So that that's the biggie. And then what was my third one? Um, Multi class Starks. I got knocked out of a race the other day because the LMP twos decided to start their racing before the green flag came out while the LMP ones didn't. So even though they waited and let a gap open up for like six seconds, by the time we got to turn one, they were right behind us and we're not full. We're not up to speed yet. We're not going to go full speed through those corners because we're too wide and they start mixing it up and, and getting in our way. And it knocks me and knocks me out of the race. So I wish they would either one enforce the rule that the, the the lower classes gotta wait till the green before they go, or set up some kind of multi pace car system that that does separate starts. So, question on that: the only multi car I've participated in has been the IMSA Michelin Pilot stuff, and I've always been the faster car. So then, now tell me how they're doing this. Every race I've been in, we'll start up front, and then like half a lap behind us the TCR cars go, how are they doing that? Are they controlling that themselves? Yeah. Usually just the leader of the class lets a gap open up and everybody understands that that's smart to do that because you don't want to start getting mixed in with the faster class at the beginning of the race because they're not able to run their normal lap times when they're spread out. Um, and so if, if you, you get in there and mixed in with a guy who's, probably going to be faster than you once they're all spread out, but maybe he can't get around as quick when he's having to navigate a whole bunch of other cars around. I'm having to be careful. So you just, you don't want to get mixed in because there are some, there are some corners where the slower class cars go faster or at least the same speed really. in almost all the multi-class racing 90 degree corners, it doesn't matter what car you're in. They all turn the same speed because it's all mechanical grip. But where where the big cars have the advantages in acceleration and high speed corners, uh, like sweeping corners, where their their, their downforce is more into play. All right, that makes sense. That also seems like an easy fix. All right, Brian, you got any? 
Um, yeah, well, uh, the first one is kind of self-serving because, um, and I th think they've already started the process of scanning this vehicle. So um, I think we've heard that they're doing the 600 micro sprints, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, so the micro sprint is just a 600cc um, motorcycle engine in a, um, a scaled down version of a dirt sprint car. Um, and uh you know it's uh they're pretty popular across the country they're really big at um tulsa when they do the um when they do the chili bowl race um i think you know i'm not i don't know if it would be like uh like f racing that's like super crazy great racing necessarily because the cars are there's not enough power to like the full-size sprint cars that they can really get uh, that are, that are really handful to do but you know that's what i used to ride years ago you know it was one of the it was my car for those watching on a discord here's a picture of my car that i used to have it's a 600 cc um micro sprint car so uh that's what i used to have and uh that's what i want to race with now um, would so that replace just, just reminiscent would that replace okay. maybe the the dirt legend car Probably not. It's different types of racing. Um, you know, the, the dirts, the, the midget cars are the uh, dirt. Um, they don't have uh, the, as nearly as downforce, and they actually have a lot bigger motor. They have a 1200cc motorcycle engines in them. So um, there's a lot more power on, on those Legends cars than there is on the 600s. But uh, but they had all the, um, you can you can adjust the wings in it just like you can in a full-size car. So that's one of the things I'm looking for. And, you know, now that they have Lincoln Speedway, which is a track I raced at a bunch, you know, it's that would be, like, really cool. I'll paint it the way my old car look, used to look like. I think that would be awesome. The next thing I, I think um, that iRacing needs to look at that's kind of a missing in as far as racing goes. So with Mount Washington, they've shown that they can do point-to-point -point racing, you know, where it's not a start and stop. So I think that rally rally racing should be something they really need to consider. Uh, the Mount Washington's cool, but like Dave's biggest problem, and I understand it, is, you know, it's one car at a track, one, tar one car at a time, you know, you're not racing other cars, you're just, you're just the one person at a time. Where rally, rally cars, you can have uh, different cars going at the same time, and I think that that would be really cool. Um, it's something it's a it's a form of racing that you see a lot in some of the videos we we check out. Um, just iRacing racing is not ha either had the inclination or, or or just didn't think they could pull it off or whatever whatever the reason is. I think it's the, it's a glaring uh, aspect of motorsports that can be done properly in iRacing. racing. Yeah, and I think they're ready for it. I mean, you got the they have the active reset functionality which i think is key for like a rally style race you know like you get to the checkpoint before it runs out of time and that kind of stuff and uh if i had a third one i would say stage racing and i'm just kidding i hate stage racing that's stupid <laughs> it served it would serve no it would serve no purpose in iRacing. You know, there's no commercials and nothing like that you have to worry about so i'm so glad they don't they don't do stage racing so you're saying you don't want manufactured cautions to group the cars back up in a situation like the all-star race where somebody's got a good car and is um, out racing everybody. Yeah, pretty much. Here's what he did. Look, I, so, I thought about adding stages to the list, but I didn't only because if it's a half distance race, like a normal NIS, it doesn't make sense to have stages, but Maybe we should have them just for those full distance races. 
That's the only time they would ever come into effect. Because last night in the 600, I'm thinking, man, that would have been cool, actually, if we had stages. I was looking for a caution at one point. And, uh, yeah. We're always looking for cautions, though. Right. <laughs> you, you, you prefer that every race runs 20 laps, caution, 20 laps, caution. 20, you, you, that would be your perfect race. It would. And I'd prefer no cautions. Yeah, I, I was the only time I was really, I mean, I was okay mid pack speed until we got to lap 50 on a run. And then the whole field would just start coming back to me real fast. And so I, I want those green flag stops. All right. I think Donnie, we just got your wish list list. All right. I got a couple. I'll make them quick. Um, one of them is. Uh, the ability to keep your tires after you take them off. So if you have, you have five sets in the race, you take a, tire, a set of tires off, you should be able to keep that in your pit box and utilize it later. Uh, we saw that this weekend in the All-Star race where that, that would have played a factor into it if you know there was some cautions. But it, even for practice or testing, um, when you're testing and you want to – it's just hard because you're always starting with 100% tires. And you got to take take a while before those those wear down. So even in a race, you might want to throw some scuffs on later on. So tires that also can't be difficult. Uh, give us another drop down in that pit box selection for the tires. Um, once we take it off, it gets removed and brought back down to the or to the bottom, and then we can select out of that if we need to. Um, tires that seems e easy. Um, more NIS style series. I know we have a couple of them. We had the Indy uh, series last year. Um, I know trucks and Xfinity. They follow the schedule in the open series. However, on off weeks, they just throw a random track in there, which is fine. But it would be nice if the trucks was an actual 22 race, 24 race season instead of 38 or nine. Uh, they do now. Um, and on uh, and across the board, uh, different disciplines, uh, more NIS style series would be nice. I get the complaints in the forums when that is brought up being that uh, participation would would hurt. Uh, but you could spread them out to the week. They don't have to be on the NIS uh, days and time slots because I know the Michelin Pilot is sort of on the NIS schedule, and those are completely different. You can fit those in uh, when you need to. Um, let's see. I had two more. Oh, no. Garage and a paddock access. I want to drive to my garage. I want to park in my garage. I want to pull out of my garage. Uh, trophy room would be cool, some kind of virtual trophy room. And in your F9 box when you're selecting your driver height and all that stuff, I would like that to be car specific because you click that tab in the, in the garage or the options tool while you're in the garage and it's supposed to set everything specific to that car for whatever reason that screen doesn't. So each car I go in, I got to adjust the driver height, maybe the FOV a teeny bit and um, the horizon's a little different as well. I like the trophy yeah. room thing, like somewhere where you can see Oh, I'm on 93 wins. I'm looking for 94 without having to go to a third party or looking at stats and doing manual math. And I mean, I can't believe that iRacing doesn't have a place that you can just look and see how many wins you have. And going back to your tire idea about reusing old sets, just add another page on the black box, sort them from for where, you know, least to greatest. And it'd be a quick tab, bang, put them on. Yeah, the tires Some seem like a no-brainer. Yeah. Or you can at least just set it for the scuffs being the, the least used scuff. Because yeah. I ran out of tire yesterday. Once, once once they brought in tire limits, I thought I think that should have been a no-brainer, you know? Well, I think it fixes you, those people that get dropped, and then they lose a set of tires. And then with this, they would never lose a set. It would just get cycled to the back. 
I remember racing with no tire limits forever. That was a different kind of racing. And then when we brought in the tire limits, it, it did change the game a bit, uh, so to speak. You had to manage it a little bit, even though they were pretty conservative on how many tire sets they would give. Well, there you have it. That's the uh, iRacers Lounge wish list. It's time to move on to events, Mike. First, we have the six hours at the Glen. Yes, uh, a special event coming up uh, the weekend of June 16th, 17th, 18th, the normal time slots, four of them. But here's the thing, guys, breaking news right here. If you go down to where the car list is, they haven't announced the cars, but I want to notice how many cars are they going to announce? Nine cars, not eight, nine and so if you go down, you'll see they actually uh, put the ninth one in bold as an extra little hint. But, uh, yeah, starting at the Watkins Glen six hours, it, it, it appears like we're going to have uh, our choice of cars increase from eight to nine, finally. Is that for the Cadillac? Well, it's an IMSA-type lineup, lineup, right? So I would presume so, yeah. I mean, you got the LM uh, DHs coming in. Um, so I would presume so. Now, will that car come out in conjunction with this race? That's the next question. Well, when is a uh, patch week? Because this race is in three weeks. Or would it be a surprise, uh, release kind of like next gen was maybe. Yeah. I plan on running this, uh, with my son to see if he could do any kind of road racing, but probably be in the Ferrari is my guess. I'd be surprised if they were going to bring out this feature just to add another GT3 back in, though. So uh, I give the the Cadillac the the best chance of being what this is for. Yeah, and that's in the forum post. I mean, uh, that's what people are commenting like Cadillac. Let's go. You know, it, it, it's kind of obvious. It is going to run the standard start times. They've, this has all kind of been what we've gotten used to. Uh, Fifty lap instant limit before it starts giving you drive-throughs every 20 or or no stopping a limit is 35 on this one the field size is 50 that's where i saw the 50 all right and we already kind of covered this one last week but i guess we got a video featuring um the new series the Rickmotech ringmaster series yeah just to get people pumped to try to get the word out they got a short video uh one minute long describing what this is uh several different tra- uh cars uh, each week, uh, changing cars on the same track. That's a neat concept. I'm going to try to get involved uh, when it does start. I'll have to look it up for sure. Yeah, this is really, actually, from a marketing standpoint, this is a really good idea from high racing because, you know, in order to be um, to, to place in this series, people we're going to have to buy a couple of cars, you know, not, I bet you there's not a whole lot of people who have every single car that's on this, um, on this, uh, schedule. So, you know, you're going to have, you have to buy stuff. And, um, you know, even though that, you know, typically uh, probably they have most of the tracks that a, a series would normally run on if you're doing skip barber or whatever series you do, but you might not have all the different cars. And this is one way to try to drive some of the, uh, purchasing of these cars here. Yep, I got to buy two or three to make the eight races, so I'll probably be doing it. Yeah, funny uh, 
uh, real life facts. We had a, at our school this year a German exchange student, and at one point I asked her, "Have you heard of the Nordschleife?" And the answer was no. I wonder if they refer to it as something different over there. I de- I described to her that what it was was the, as the giant uh, track, and she's like, "No, I hadn't heard of that." Looks like fun. I I don't think I'll buy cars though. I would just participate on the weeks I do own the cars. Would be my my stance. And that's because you've got to save that twelve dollars for your next computer <laughs> that you're going to spend right. three thousand on. I just want to be able to do the eight races or whatever the drops are. I want to be able to see where I would stack up in a full uh, championship. That's the only reason I'll probably buy three additional cars. All right, we've got another uh, series coming up. Uh, Justin, tell us about this one. Yeah, David, the iRacing Creventic. Did I say that right, David? I don't know. <laughs> Endurance. Creventic. Creventic. Yeah. Okay. Endurance series, one of the most iRacing's longest standing team racing challenges, returns this Saturday, May 27th, with with a visit to Autodromo Nazi Nail Monza. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. In partnership with Creventic, the organizers of the Real World 24 Hour Series and iRacing's 24-hour series eSports Endurance League. This series is a 12-hour endurance event that brings full slate of GT and touring cars to some of the world's most iconic tracks. Most of the time for that track, everybody just calls it Monza. Save yourself yourself some energy. Sorry about that. (laughs) Autodromo Nacionale just means national racetrack. I haven't ventured on the road. I haven't. I've maybe ran two road races so far, so I'm pretty green on it. Now, for they announced this now because they stick in their 24-hour Le Mans into the series, I believe. And so they always wait until the last. They don't announce this ahead of time. They wait, and uh, I think last year they actually converted a some kind of sprint series to a lot to an endurance series. And then they stuck the 24 hour Lama in it in like August. And, and that's how we ran it. I'm not and sure. I think that this thing. is the same thing. Is it not the same thing? No, because they did that as a regular uh, series. That was the pure driving school uh, Euro endurance series, which right now is running six hour races that they can, oh, that they convert to 24 hour races. Um, and that usually happens in season three. Okay, so this is something a, a, a little bit different, especially considering the first race is in two days, and that's yeah. it's still that's just still season two, and it's also twelve hours, not not twenty four hours. And I don't see any buzz on this at all. Nobody's talking about it. So I'm sure the the uh, sports cars guys are though. The, they haven't really been talked about on the it, over in the Mad Sim channel. Everybody there is focused on our next event, which I guess I'll just go ahead and transition right into it, which is the Majors 24 Le Mans. This is running, uh, I think we open up for real practices this next week, as well as pre-qualifying. And it's coming up. If you want to run, they are running. uh, You do have to pay $40 per team, but they'll run as many splits as they need to. The top four splits are broadcasted and they have live cautions and and such. and I think the whole thing is sort of live stewarded where you can put in a protest for any split if something happens and they have guys that are sitting in there that'll go back and check once they see something come up on the form. 
Uh, we've got a team of five ready to go. We've done, we've already done a few practices and settled on a, on a, on a setup that feels good. I had a guy that's particularly fast, helped me get around the Porsche curves a little bit faster, but I, I feel pretty good about the pace though. The real secret of any 24 hour race is to stay out of the garage. So Michael let, is that his name? The organizer of the majors, uh, of, he uh, posted today on Instagram uh, photos of the challenge coin that you can win if you podium in these races. And they look sweet, really nice, big coin, has color injected or embedded into it. Um, it's got that big 24 on one side, and the other side is a classic, the guys running to the car, you know, at the green flag. I'm looking forward to it. We're running the prototype, and... Uh... I I could have run the well I wanted to run the Ferrari GTE but they're running GT3s in this instead of GTEs. Podcast housekeeping, leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. I want to take a moment and mention nine years anniversary today of this podcast. Uh, we paid for our uh, podcast hosting uh, for another year, effective today. And uh, we're going into the 10th year of this podcast. I can't believe it. Uh, I want to thank everyone who's participated. You know, I've been consistent through the show but i can't do it without the help of others it's just impossible and with that being said we're always looking for the right person who might want to join up with the show and be a regular host and race with us so if you are that guy make sure to hit me up on dm and uh, we'll discuss and do an interview i know the I... discussion Go ahead, Justin. Oh, sorry about that, Mike. Uh, no, I remember when I first started a couple of years ago, I thought you guys were celebrities when I came across this podcast. You know, I heard or listened to you guys. I thought, man, that'd be so cool. And then eventually I just messaged you. It was easy. It is that easy. I mean, we actually are, right? <laughs> yeah. What's funny is in, in, it's, it's my splits. If I make a mistake, somebody tries to use it as an insult instead yeah that happens why don't you go talk about that on your podcast <laughs> i've always but what's neat is the listeners will stick up for us somebody else in the room will like speak up you know and for the note we have done pretty good about not calling out any names on the podcast you know oh trust me there's guys i would love to just say what got me in the current situation i'm in but you know we, we we tend to avoid that so yeah we will bring up some names that are positive that we've had positive interactions with but yeah you're right david sometimes it is a little rough so we got to refer to them as something else usually all right so join so, the discord go ahead sorry again so who's been the original crew who started like okay mr mike the podfather <laughs> yeah, just me. Uh, there's a lot of people that have cycled through Tifosi Racing that have been a part of the show, but the original crew was um, Alan Pajari and Carlos Fonseca and Jose Pabon and myself. 
So Justin, Brad Miller. teammate Tony uh, Rochette sent me a couple of links to their podcast, which had Mike on, and he kind of explained his backstory and and I believe the origins of this show. So if Tony sends you those links, uh, they're pretty fascinating listens. All right, and then the Discord. Uh, make sure to get over there and and uh, join the discussion. We're always uh, discussing sim racing, iRacing throughout the week. And check the website, iRacersLounge.com, for the script. And we are in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash? Good credit? No credit? Doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, Ben, as we had the All-Star Race this weekend, there was no fantasy. So let's move on to the hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford out of Chicago. And the first question is to open tower or not to open tower? What do you think, Mike? It's a neat idea. This guy's built some kind of PC that is doesn't have a case. It's basically... Uh, a frame, I guess you would say, with a bunch of stuff bolted to it. The cooler, the the motherboard, the you know, every all the different things. And it, it's literally open air uh PC. Uh I guess it's okay if you don't have kids to stick fingers into fans and a cat and that kind of stuff, right? But what about dirt and dust? Dirt and dust would be a problem, but what about, isn't airflow sometimes directional and designed by the case? So if you just have it open like this, aren't those fans just blown wherever they want? The air will still move. It just won't be as focused. Um, I've, I've left the, the side off my case as many times when I was moving stuff in and out and, and just left it off and it, and it runs fine. Um, and then it's actually, the dirt's not as big of an issue because you can easily spray the dirt out because you don't have to open the case up to get in there. Dirt's going to get in there anyway, all right? Uh, just ask the astronauts how bad the moon dust was. Um, it will get uh, it'll get in there. So it, it, it's an option uh, if, if you like it. I don't think it drastically harms the cooling, especially with so much of the, the uh, other cooling, the liquid cooling options, it, you know? So it, it can't be too inefficient, but it's definitely not as cool as a fish tank coolant. So the op of the uh, thread here, Michael, he uh, he did some temperature testing as well, and and he claims that the temperature runs a lot cooler in this in this way than it would be in a case. And um, some other uh, people who commented described some other ideas of keeping it cooler, like you put a big old fan blowing into it. Uh, I I know Tom Dryling did that for a while. Yeah, just. Components being exposed, I get you know, like you're saying with kids and animals, but even if he didn't, like I would in the back of my mind, I would think there's a possibility of something going wrong here, something falling onto it or it falling over. I don't know. I'd just be a little paranoid, probably thinking too much of its safety half the time. So think about the investment, but but you better make sure it's safe. Well, that's the thing the investment. I mean, like you said, uh, if I buy and build a new PC, we're talking over three thousand dollars. 
you know, what's another couple hundred dollars for a case, you know, to, to protect that investment? You know, like Donnie said, who knows what can happen? Is it going to fall over? If it does, you know, maybe it'll be protected in a case. All right, Brian, we've got some more weird racing wheels. Yeah, so this is a continuation of a um, a thread from last week from uh, Doug um, Thomas. Um, if you remember last week, he he put some weird things on his uh, his uh, wheel wheel hub and uh, was using like basketballs and all kinds of crazy stuff. Well, he uh, he made a part two video which uh, has uh, some new things that he attached to his uh, wheelbase. Um, he tried a lawnmower tire which seemed pretty good actually. Um, only thing is, is that it was solid rim, you know, so there's nowhere to put your thumbs. I think, um, he used a part of a vacuum cleaner that was, uh, that was used on there. That looks pretty dangerous. <laughs> um, then he used a, um, a pirate wheel. So if you can imagine like, uh, the, 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 the wheel from a pirate ship, um, looks pretty cool, but it looks like if uh, you have your force feedback turned up pretty high, you might break some digits on that. And then he used a helmet from a UP USPS postal helmet. I didn't know the USPS had helmets, but apparently they do, unless it's, it means something else other than USPS. But, uh, so yeah, so those are the new deals that he that he put on there today. And he's again, he's asking for your favorites of the week. Um, I'm gonna go with the pirate wheel. I think it looks the coolest. It might not be the best uh, as far as saving your fingers, but I think it looks awesome. My favorite was I the see, naval uh, wheel as well, and it, and that's not necessarily a pirate wheel. It's just it's just an old school wooden uh, wheel. Yeah, like a that's gonna from decapitate a, a your pinky. Yeah, I'd love to see I that one. I want to see Mailman, uh, the mail hat. I want to see Ray Alfala, the mailman, wear the mail hat. <laughs> also, I want to see you run that the the naval wheel at 100% force feedback. I'm going to take two pinkies off. That vacuum cleaner uh, housing, that looks like that's going to slice some fingers open, too. My yeah, that looks dangerous. Nice. <laughs> So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll keep following. See if he posts uh, some more next week. See what else he can use. You guys have any suggestions for him to try? Maybe a manhole cover. <laughs> a symbol, a, like a music symbol, off of a drum set. Ooh, I'd be sharp on the edge there, right? Now a hi hat or a bigger one. Hi hat for road course. Play, right? a, maybe a ride symbol for for an oval. I'm seeing bloody fingers. Circular saw blade. Oh, that's horrible. <laughs> a Tupperware bowl. That's safe. Mount a controller wait, wait. on there. A bedpan. Damn it. Now we put circular saw pan in there. Somebody's going to try that. Please do not attach a circular saw uh, blade to your any kind of steering wheel. Yes. We are not responsible for any lost digits. Uh, so uh, we take no responsibility for that. Um. I was thinking, what about if you use a game controller, like an Xbox controller, and mount it to your wheel? And you know, everybody says you shouldn't race with a wheel with a with a game controller when you're racing. Well, here's a game controller, but it's on a on an actual wheel hub. Now the question is, if you set it up that way, would you actually have the game controller feed the in, info, or the the base feed the info? No, it's got to be the base, not the controller. Both. It's just a dummy. 
I bet some weirdo game controller users have it mounted there and they uh, still drive in that position using the, the joystick functions. What would be better, Xbox or PlayStation controller? Oh, here, here's one that would really test the hardiness. Um, weights from the gym, uh, barbell weights. Yeah, they're smooth. I, I can see that working. Maybe the rubber ones, the rubberized ones. Or just, just hang a plate, a, a true plate on there, 45 pounds. See, if, see how that base holds up against that. All right, back to the sane world. Uh, Donnie, we have a SimCube review. Yes, this is Carl Gosling reviews the SimCube 2 Ultimate and Pro wheelbases on his YouTube channel. Uh, now, Mike, I since owning these, I didn't I skip this one. I saw this one on my normal feed. Uh, but I do have a question. Um, at the end of it, does he say there's much of a difference between the Pro and the Ultimate? No, but he he definitely reviews the differences throughout the video, like the difference in the power supply. Um, the, the Ultimate has this very fancy power supply, um, while the Pro is more of a standard power supply you would get. But, yeah, I mean, what can you say wrong about SimiCube Pro or SimiCube Ultimate? You can't. I mean, there's really no downside to him. He loves the industrial look. Uh, plain and simple. I do like the unfinished look the Ultimate has on the facing of the base. I wish they would have carried that over to the Pro. I mean, it, I, I still think that it's the wheel to buy uh, these days, but you got to certainly look at Ace Attack as well. And, and, and I think they're probably on equal footing at this point. All right, we're standing along the lines for reviews, Justin. This next thing we have is the Dentsu Flag 2.5, and uh, it's from the, a company that's called Evil Racing. Yeah, David, Sean Cole from the Simpit reviews his favorite add-on, the Evil Racing Dentsu Flag V 2.5. Uh, I haven't. Does anybody have a iRacing flag? Use it on their cockpit. I, I thought about. One. I thought about and getting one and then uh, VR. <laughs> I use it with VR. <laughs> gotcha. It's cool. It's not super expensive. To be honest with you, I, I use it for um, so that um, if anybody needs to interrupt me, they know if I'm under yellow or green or whatever. So <laughs> they, can, they know uh, don't tap on my shoulder while it's green. Yeah, I would use one for maybe flag. I mean, just for an aesthetic thing. But there's a shot in this video where he's using it as a gear indicator when he's got a giant gear indicator on his screen right in front of his eyeballs. And he mounts the gear indicator 45 degree, degrees off to his right. So I don't understand. Maybe it's just for the camera effect to show that how it works. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. You can, you can program it to do a lot of different things. Um, you can use it as a spotter. You know, when the cars are inside or outside, um, you can use it for gears. You can use it for um, flag conditions. There's a lot of things you can program it for. It, it's neat that there's just so many software third-party apps that do so much of the same thing that I I don't know if I would ever justify getting one, especially when I have the the JRT Live Spotter. I would never need it for, for spotting or, or the dashboard giving me the gears because JRT just covers yeah, that. that that's where I'm at with this thing is um, I don't feel the need for one. I mean, my Razer keyboard does something very similar where it goes green when it's green and it goes yellow when it's yellow and, and it's, it's right there off to my left and it's, it's very visual. So it, it, 
so I, and like David says, I already have the Joel real timing spotter and, and some of these and the gear selector and right in front of me. So I don't really need it. And the JRT does the same thing with the, with the flags as well. When you get a blue flag, it, the whole thing turns blue when it's time to shift, it turns orange or kind of a pinkish kind of thing. Um, when you've got the pit limiter on when it's red and then as soon as you cross a line and you need to turn the pit lim limiter off, it starts flashing green to let you know to get the pit limiter off. When there's yellows, even when there's even on road courses, when there's a car sideways, it starts flashing yellow to let you know there's a car sideways, even if the actual yellow hasn't come out yet. There's there's been some times even in oval racing when I've known there's a car sideways before the before the yellow comes out that I couldn't see because it'll actually tell you how many meters away it is. But if you like like these, uh, it's kind of like iFlag. It's it's a similar kind of option, and he's got one on each side. And, and and it looks cool if you like that kind of visual aesthetic. I um and I, I steered you wrong there, Justin, at the beginning. This is Simpit, but it wasn't Sean Cole. It was a, a guy named Amir. I don't think I've seen him do reviews on the Simpit before. Um, so that that was interesting. More the merrier. All right, Mike. The next thing we have from Assetek says right at the top of the tweet: "Good news and bad news." What's the bad news? I don't know the bad news, but. The good news is they're showing comedy. a video. I think that's the bad news. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're showing a, a version here, a video um, of their quick release with integrated electronics in the final testing. And uh, it shows a, a third-party wheel hook into their base via their QR, and the electronics of the wheel are all integrated as into that QR. Remember, it has gold contacts on it. Um, and that they pledged that they were going to be able to uh, work with all the major uh, wheel manufacturers, you know, Cube Controls and Asher and and um, some of these other ones. So this means any of those that are that are designed to send the signal through the base without a cord will will work. Right. That's what they're working towards. Right. So the bad news is that you'll have to wait a little longer, um, but this is a testing video you're looking at. So back on the electronics and how that works. Um, so if you're a corded, like that's a GSI wheel we're looking at in, in the video. So if your wheel requires a cord, how would that work? Do you, do you plug that cord into the quick release and then it sends the signal through? No, I think the wheel has to be compatible with, uh, the Ace Attack uh, new QR release, I think. I don't know. That's I guess if, if the wheel is purely a corded wheel, it's probably just going to have to go to your PC. I'm trying to think if that wheel has a cord. That's not the Hyper P one. That's just a regular uh, expensive uh, wheel at the screen. Well, and they might be working with the wheel manufacturers directly um, to modify the product to work with their QR, I would presume. When he spins the wheel to the left, you can see uh, something that looks braided. I'm not sure if it's a cord wrapped around the shaft or, or what the deal is. You see when he turns the wheel to the left after he turns it on? Right. Like maybe the cord's wrapped around something? I want to see a better video before we start saying that it, that it could work. It just seems too good to be true. All right, Brian, next up, we have a branded play seat formula wheel uh, branded by Red Bull, which means money, 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 money for the for the uh, branding, right? 
Yeah, so uh, this is your place seat uh, formula style wheel um, with the uh, reclined position, elevated um, pedals. Um, it's got that center pole that goes between your legs to hold the wheelbase um, and a Red Bull um, painted um, decor. So there's Red Bull on the back of the headrest of the seat and there's Red Bull and the Red Bull's pinstripe down the, the front of the unit. So um, if I, I'm looking right there, look, cause it's coming in at uh, basically 1200 US dollars. Yeah, now this is a cockpit, not a wheel. I think David and Brian both said the word wheel. Not a wheel, it's a cockpit. And it's definitely a formula style cockpit where your feet are up, you know, at the level of your head. It's tubular, you know, made out of pipe. And of course the Red Bull branding, but man, 1200 bucks. I just, I don't see where that is. Where's the 1200 bucks? Yeah, there's not a whole lot to this. It's all the branding. Monitor mounts or nothing. It's just no branding mount or nothing. They're still trying to capitalize on the the rise of the F1. But yeah, 1200 bucks, that's pretty crazy. And it's not, it doesn't look tubular once you go on their site, Mike. It looks like thin metal. That's, I don't know. Also, if you're old, you're going to want to like put this on a platform. You just roll off and flop your body under the ground crawl into it well there's a couple versions actually if you scroll down i was actually looking at the twenty five hundred dollar version that's tubular holy cow oh they got a mercedes one too same price but if you go formula white you drop two hundred dollars so that's good to know or if you want to go formula red you drop you know you're under a thousand yeah that licensing comes with a cost kind of like your ninety dollar hat right yeah, exactly. Um, the, the, the one we looking looking at on the um, screen there, and that seat looks really thin. There's no support behind it at all. It's, I mean, that's gotta hold a good amount of weight when you're when you're laying back like that, right? Is that does that look strong enough to keep you supported? It looks like on the on the one that's tubular, it looks like it has a little bit extra support at the at the um, where where the um, your lower back would be resting. But this doesn't have anything. I don't know. This looks kind of scary to me. And you know, your your center of gravity might might actually make this thing pop a wheelie on you too, if you lean back too hard. It's thick. It's a pretty thick plastic, actually. I think it's it's gonna be sturdy. It's either plastic or maybe even a fiber shell. I just not a fan of the thing between your legs. You know, you have to crawl into this thing and you have this thing where you bump your knee into and no no i do we do this too much we i want it proper i mean not going to spend all that money and have that thing in between my legs no way it's it makes it useless if you have three pedals especially if you can't control the spacing of them one of our old teammates he basically could not i believe he could not left foot break because of that po post so, Mike, I look at the next one, and I almost started to think about uh, fishing, but that's Bash not Pro. The, it's not quite the right letter, is it? It's Bash Pro. Not Bash Pro. Bash Pro. Active shifter. Brian, this might be the H shifter you've been waiting for. Um, it's active, like the semi-cube active pedals, but it's a H shifter, H pattern shifter. Um, beyond Race Beyond Matter does a review of it. I have a really hard time understanding his English, uh, but I did go through and kind of jump around the video and, and get some ideas about how this thing looks when he's racing it. It certainly looks like it 
feels like a shifter, you know, and, and it has the thing where like, if you don't have the clutch engaged just right, it won't let you shift just like a real shifter doesn't let you shift. And that's why he calls it active. And so like, if you don't have auto blip on, right. And you go to shift and you haven't left off, let off the gas, it won't let you shift. Right. Did you see the price? It looks like it's a, yeah, it's like what? 1052. Yeah. Wow. That's over a grand for that one. It's even got truck simulator mode, which I thought was interesting. Uh, it will change into truck mode on starting the Euro truck simulator or the American truck simulator. Depending on the type of gearbox selected in the game, the shifter will not allow moving the stick into non-existing gear positions. Floating gears or shifting without clutch is possible, but advanced eight shifter mode is selected in the game options. Just, uh, just to let you know as of right now there's it's sold out you'd have to jump on a waiting list if you want to get it but um looks like they're going to be bringing out some more here's the operating modes i mentioned it says using the oled screen on the bash pro or the custom sim hub plug-in you can easily switch between h dogbox h sync or sequential electronic shifting I don't know. I, with this active pedal, it's great. The technology seems awesome. It just maybe it's just me being naive. I just think it might be introducing more stuff that could go wrong. Maybe a couple years of this stuff in development might be a little bit better before I start jumping on board. But it just seems like uh, came out of nowhere and now it's a thing. I don't know. Uh, so I think I just try to like to minimize what could go wrong. And I feel like if the shifter one thing go, I just drive me nuts. But it looks fantastic the idea behind it i just don't do h pattern anymore so though it, that i like the fact that you can still do sequential with it so that, that makes it a tempting offer a lot of money for a shifter but you know that what was the brand brian that you were considering that was so nice out of the uk it was all shiny metal um that's the uh, bdh um oh yeah bazooka shifter and that's over a grand that's a thousand bucks yeah that's over a grand um and um they ha i don't last time i checked they haven't come out with a um sequential transition version yet so that's my ultimate goal to have one that does both i'd rather i'll, I'll wait until i get one that can do both if i if i go that way yeah and so race beyond matter does kind of compare these to the uh, sim magic uh, the fan attack and whatever uh, you know those other ones out there it's similar size, similar stature, but obviously has all these different modes and different things, and that's that's the premium price you're paying. All right, next up is Bino SimChat, and he's basically updating his YouTube channel, and he's going or his YouTube channel, and he's going to be a full time review channel. Nice. Yeah, is this the same Bino from the forums? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Finally, nice to see put a face to a name uh, because I've been following this guy for a long time, and he's one of the uh, guys who was involved in the original development of the direct drive wheel. Um, he's like the, the, the pod father. Uh, like I'm the pod father of the podcast. He's the, he's the 
the pod father of the direct drive wheel is what I want to call him. But um, I'm excited to see uh, what he decides to do with his channel. This particular video doesn't uh, review any equipment. He just talks about what his plans are for the channel. He does go over his um, his little video editing setup he has for the channel, uh, his backdrop and that kind of thing. So, uh, but excited to uh, put a face with a name. It's interesting. I can't comment on this. Uh, oh, never mind. Yeah, I can. So more to come from Bino. Uh, hopefully, and we'll get some nice videos from him. I did subscribe and like, and I expect everyone else to. Uh, let's give him some love, guys. Um, some of the equipment that he has put together, and we've talked about on this show, have been amazing. Um, if back in the old forums, he would put up uh, a build thread. And with these super high res photos and, um, and he would machine the stuff, you know, custom, everything was custom. I mean, really good stuff. Uh, one thing that sticks out was he made a mouse trackball built into the uh, aluminum billet, uh, metal, uh, where it was all flush and the trackball was just kind of floating there. And, um, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, he does really neat stuff. All right, Donnie, we've got a rig review. Uh, Philip, Philippe, uh, Jeppel, Geppel, uh, gives us a rig review, or not a rig review, but a uh, tour of his rig, his full motion triple screen sim rig. So this is on YouTube. And he basically gives you a sim rig tour of his, it's set with a nice jazz piano bar soundtrack in the back. He uh, flies over all the components, which are nice. And then he has a nice graphic splash when he comes across a, an, um, a piece of hardware. He has uh, the only sim worth having, loaded up onto a sim. It's got a nice iRacing banner in the background. Um, looks good. I like the GoPro feature that he has. Him and Dave Cam, or Dave Cam does it as well. But uh, I always thought that would be interesting to stream, not stream, but replay videos of your, your racing through the eyes of the GoPro, which are attached near your eyes. I like this guy goes all out when he buys stuff. I mean, as, as he goes through his list, I mean, he's got the Rosso Sim racing wheel, which, man, we haven't talked about that in a long time. I forget how much money that costs. He's got the Semi-Cube Ultimate uh, base. He's got the Cube Controls F-Pro uh, wheel. He's got the Cube Controls GT Pro wheel. He's got the OMP wheel with the Asher Racing button box. The list goes on and on. He's got the SimTag hydraulic pedals. Holy cow. I mean, everything he's got is top of the line. Heiskenveld handbrake. About the only weird thing I, I see there is his eye flag is really way out of view. He's got Donnie's favorite Pro Sim H pattern shifter. I like that thing. He's one got day my rig lap P1X, yeah. One day my rig will look like this, years down the road. It'll be sooner. You've joined the show. Just wait. <laughs> you guys are getting me. He's got D box. Uh, it looks like fourth gen D box. He's got some kind of frame that goes up and around uh, his over his head. Uh, I don't really know what the purpose of that is, except for there is a, a camera, like a GoPro mounted to the frame off to the right of his head but i don't know what else the frame is for besides a, a, maybe the look but i kind of oh. like the idea of a frame 
I think the frames for monitor support for flex, that's what I thought, at least for the D box, because yep. I'd be real picky about having a D box with the monitors because I wouldn't want the flex. If you look around 257, you can see that the there is a beam going all the way across the top connected to the monitor. I see. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. The, the frame goes over his head uh, around the top. And he even has padding on it, too. He's got the flat eye flag. He's got the, the wind sim, you know, you name it. What I like about this video was he shows his uh, first things that he bought. If, if you look at 14 seconds in his, his first, his first setup was a Logitech G29 with like just, just this cheap pole type of uh, mount for his wheel um, sitting at his, uh, sitting at his uh, couch you know, with his coffee, with a coffee table sitting in front, it's as bare bones as you can possibly get without a desk, you know, without not being mounted to a computer desk. And that was, a uh, I was in 2019 at the very end of 2019, right before Christmas. So, you know, in two and a half or three and a half, two and a half years, really, he went from that to um, this just monster of a rig that he's got now. But I thought that was really funny. Now, I was chatting with this guy in the comments of his video, and he replied to me. Um, he said, since this video, I have actually purchased the Cube Controls F-Core, which is a really nice one, and currently on the way is the Fanatec BMW M4 GT3 steering wheel. <laughs> so this guy is, like, all out. I mean, he, I mean, every, and uh, I don't think he's been in, been in it too long either. Love it. All right, this next one, Mike, gave you a little bit of buyer's remorse. Yeah, I told you guys in the chat when I saw this video, dang. Will from Boosted Media, he reviews the Asher Racing V3 F64. Um, now, when I was purchasing my formula wheel, the V2 was the wheel available. Uh, but now the V3 is out, um, and he reviews it. Absolutely fantastic wheel. Um, some of the additional uh, features it has are these rotaries are like you can push them in and then the rotary becomes a whole different set as if you pulled it out and twisted it. So it has like double the amount of inputs for each rotary. The only thing he didn't like was the thumb encoders or rotators were down and you almost have to let go of the grip to get to rotate those they weren't up in the normal position up higher where your thumb can reach and the grips uh will is kind of famous now for saying he doesn't like those sticky grips that gather lint and dust and and debris and these have those sticky type grips but other than that, I mean, the button quality, fantastic, uh, with the machined uh, metal look to them. Um, what I like about it is it looks more like a real racing wheel than a sim racing wheel. I think that's why I like it. It definitely but, has uh, everything you need. Yeah, Will Ford, I mean, he, he had nothing really bad to say about it, like I said, except for the, the grip material. But if you don't need a display... Uh, this is a great wheel, and now they send him a display. Asher Racing has their own little uh, display that they sell separately, and um, he debated about, you know, is that is that a good purchase or not? And and for him, he said he didn't really need it, but for some people, it might be. 
I don't know, Donnie, you ever have second thoughts on your wheel purchase? Uh, no, no, I don't actually. I have my wheel mounted right now. I was playing with it as you were talking, but uh, the video headline said a thousand or a hundred functions. How many? A thousand? A hundred, yeah. 100? Because of the dual uh, right. uh, rotary thing so, I was talking about. Since you bought your F1 Pro, how many cars and races have you entered where you could have needed a hundred functions? I would never do. In fact, I still haven't used all the buttons on my wheel. I've uh, put the stickers on where other people put the stickers, but I have yet to really dig into, oh, wow, I'm going to click this and do this and do that. Uh, you know, I haven't gotten there. Uh, I'm actually pretty close, but that's because I, I use a lot of it for pit box controls, too. Like I've I've got one set that just clears fuel. I've got one set one set with JRT that automatically gives me just enough fuel to finish the race. That's which is good for fixed length races. All right, I've got one that switches JRT from auto to to manual. I've got one that can change the amount of extra fuel JRT does. I've got one that sets my tires clear or just right side tires or all tires. I've got one set for fast repair. Um, I've got one set to mute people who are who are talking too much. Um. So yeah, if you if you use the, all the additional features that come with with it that you normally would have a crew chief handling or something like that, you can use all of them. That's what I missed. I see. I got the plain Jane NASCAR steering wheel. I don't have any buttons, and that's what I'm missing. I need something. Well, you don't road race yet. Once you start road racing, you'll need buttons. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> they don't have buttons. Well, they have a button, maybe two, on a NASCAR wheel. So. You're not you're not missing much. I have so, actually in the past been in a situation where I altered the traction control setting at Daytona in the Ferrari, depending on whether I was on the infield or up on top on the banking. So Will Ford properly points out that this wheel fits into a price point that matches up with the grid MPX wheel by Simlab by grid. Uh, that we talked about not long ago, the new VRS wheel that recently came out with no screen. And of, co of course, the one I have, the Cube Controls F Pro. And all these wheels are within the same price point and feature-wise, they're, they're quite uh, similar. So between the four of those, man, I, I really feel like the consumer has some great choices right now. Well, speaking of Beautiful. great choices, I, th I think you've talked about this, Will, as well in the past. And we've got an Instagram post from Gomez Sim Industries. And it mostly is a shot of a proper IndyCar with the Gomez wheel. But when you look at it, it I mean, it looks like what you might see on the Sim Racing Rig, too. And in fact, in their, their uh, Instagram post, they say that they're looking forward to getting it possibly even to a day where they literally share the same equipment across the highest levels of motorsport, both real life and sim. Yeah. It's the P one or not the P one, but it's uh, I think it is maybe, but it's the, the Gomez wheel, the formula style more with the open bottom uh, fixed to a McLaren. And that's their partnership with Tony Kanaan. Um, but it's not mounted to drive. You can see the dangling USB cord hanging down. Um, but yeah, I mean, it eventually is going to happen. We saw that with, I think, um, was it Fanatec that was able to do that a few years ago or last year with the Lexus, I think. Um, yeah, looks good. Well, we got a cube controls in a Mercedes, um, that we talked about that a few months ago. Yep. Um, yep. 
And now, yeah, Gomez is basically showing off his wheel. They stuck it into Tony Canon's IndyCar. And got, he got some video and photo of it at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Kind of iconic. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Tony's actually racing with the wheel. But uh, they did some cute video with it. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of neat. This is something we don't see very often, Justin. Uh, TechSpot is announcing there may be an NVIDIA price drop. Yeah, TechSpot announces a price drop drop in their GPUs. Um, apparently, I, I, I'm starting to learn more about. I'm getting more um, smarter with computers. I'm starting to learn about the graphics cards because I just had to buy a 6950, and that was $900. So I was like, wow. But yeah, I guess they're coming down, which is a good news for a lot of people. Well, what's happening is they're releasing the 3060 and the 3060 Ti, and and that's kind of stacked these up. And so the 3070 and, and such have gone down in price uh, because of it. Now, the cards that we would buy, the 3080, the 3090s, they're still about the same. I thought we were in the 4000 series already. Yeah, the 4060. Oh, am I saying the wrong numbers? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. 4060, that's what I meant. That's So that's a new card that was just announced. Yeah, I'm looking at their pricing for the 3060 series, and I think they're off a little bit, um, this particular media outlet. I bought my 3060 Ti back, I believe, in December for mid to high 300s, and they have uh, the lowest price being... 420 as of March and 410 as of April. So I'm not sure where they're getting their data from. All right. Next one doesn't have a story title, but it's a link to a Facebook uh, picture. It's a timeline photo of a new sim rig from Tran Hone. Um, and it's a motion rig, right, Brian? Yeah. So um, this is something that they're putting out in June. It's supposedly going to be the final version is available. It's an eighty twenty rig with um, D box style um, actuators for um, for um, motion on the outside. But the thing that makes this unusual is it's kind of got like another layer beneath that base. And um, you know, without seeing a whole lot and having a whole lot of information, I'm assuming that's going to be a yaw uh, type of uh, motion. So the so right. not not only can it go up and down with the actuators, but that yaw function will let it twist and spin on on an axis. Um, so to give it that extra um, extra um, freedom freedom of uh, motion that uh, that that most for platform type of uh, actuators do not give you. So it's it's going to be a it's going to be a six degrees with that when you add that in with when you add the yaw. So pretty interesting. I think. Um, the 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 um the parts for the uh the steering wheel look a little underwhelming to be honest with you and i, I would like to see that a little bit beefier but uh, other than that it's pretty interesting how they kind of layer the bottom bases one on top of the other to get that uh to get that twisting yaw motion that's what i was going to say the layering of the you got the d-box and the actual rig itself and that's on top of the yaw layer, and then the yaw layer is on top of what I would call a base layer, uh, with you know wheels on it or or stands or corner feet or whatever you want to say. But yeah, so it almost looks like a sandwich of layering there. Uh, pretty neat looking rig. Uh, v and M. That's the Vietnam, I believe. Uh, they were famous for doing the shifter uh, called V and M. 
Yeah. No, no, um, seeing that I saw anywhere on it. Um, I'm not sure if the seat's included in that either. So, um, it's a little bit more information we need to gather from, from this company to see where the, it winds up, um, winds up going. But, uh, I'm, I'm thinking with the, the motion and everything else, we're probably pushing 10 K would be my guess. 10 grand. Oh yeah. All right, Mike, you were talking about this one and, SemiCube is now offering a throttle to go with their active pedal so that you don't have to put a, put one in on the gas. Um, as I'm looking, it's, it, it's, it does look like a really nice throttle. However, it is not active as far as I can tell. There's a lot of good adjustments, but it's, but it's not active like, like the brake pedal is. Right. It's a load settle pedal, and it's made to complement the SemiCube active pedal. And I, I was telling you guys before the show, I just love this idea because getting these pedals have been out of reach financially for me, at least, uh, because I don't feel like I would want just the, the one of them for the brake and then have some other pedal from some other brand as the, the throttle and the, maybe a different clutch or whatever. This find, this is an affordable way to, to keep everything the same brand at least, uh, and get some and get this active pedal at a at a reasonable price. Now this is only three hundred and sixty nine dollars for the uh, throttle, which uh, you know doesn't sound too cheap. But uh, man, it, it, like like I said, it matches up. It's the same brand. It's the same look. Pretty cool. Yeah, it has some tech specifications on the post. Um, it will travel between 48 and 84 millimeters. You can adjust that. And the adjustments that you can make are both the travel preload. You can adjust the force curve, the pedal angle, the pedal face angle, and the pedal height. Now, if only they can get their brake pedal to look as good as the throttle pedal. You mean the face of it? I just, I don't, the, the looks of the brake pedal um granted technology aside from it i don't know just there's a there's a put off for me and i i can't verbalize it. i don't know why but the the throttle pedal looks okay well the throttle pedal is a smooth surface with the logo the brake pedal is a textured surface which you typically want on your brake pedal to yeah. grip. it almost looks too smooth but i think it's a render we're looking at i just the whole design of the not the pedal face itself but the actual armature of the pedal um i don't know so how much are we talking about if you go with one pedal and um, active brake, I guess you should say, with this new throttle? Probably 2500 without the clutch. Yeah. So here it is. Uh, pedal and throttle and base plate, 2889 Yeah, I wasn't counting for the base plate. Uh, what would you do for clutch? Would you just get another throttle? I don't know if you'd want to get an active pedal for a clutch. Well... If you're going to go this route, you probably forgo the clutch, would be my guess. And I know the base plates are rendering here on their website as well, it looks like. But where would you put the clutch? I guess you can slide some stuff over. I'll be honest, like when I saw the picture of the throttle, I was like, ugh, I don't like it. But then next to the brake, it's a much better looking product than I like, than I thought of before today. So it is available for purchase. Looks like they're going to ship in August. You think this is a response and them not selling the set together? I bet they always intended to do this. It would be my guess. Uh, but you're right. Maybe they didn't sell as many as they had hoped based on the price. And this is the way to get a few more out the door. Like I said, I wasn't interested at all before. And now 
Hmm. You know, it's still a lot of money, but man, when I need pedals, you almost want to buy into this next generation stuff. All right, let's hit up the last hardware. We've got the best dash ever, according to Dan Suzuki. Tell us a little bit about it, Donnie. Yeah, so it looks like it's from Lovely. It's a lovely dashboard, but it's from, I had their site up earlier. It looks like it's a UK type of Etsy store, but they develop dashboards for sim racing. And this one in particular is uh, modifying the dash of a GSI wheel, and you're able to utilize the touchscreen features of the wheel as well. Uh, Dan Suzuki likes it. He uh, calls it the best dash ever. Um, so it's interesting. You're able to use, I think, through SimHub. Um, yeah, be able through to SimHub. Manipulate the third party's wheel with his app. Kind of a plug-in for SimHub, I guess you'd call it. Um, yeah, and it's lovely sim racing over at Kofi. I I don't know where it's from. Three euros though. a month. Three, Three euros, euros a, a month, month. I think. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he speaks highly of it. He shows you how to configure it, how you can adjust it. It is, has several screens out of the box that you can use. And it, I think the big thing that Dan liked about it was it's consistent as you move from car to tr car to car. And you don't have to redo, reinvent the wheel every time you switch cars. Uh, you'll get a consistent dash no matter what car you jump in. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in to the hardware section sponsored by Metro Ford. All right, Mike, it's time to start talking some results. Let's jump right to NIS after an off week. It's the Coke 600. I was involved in the first caution. Uh, I got spun by a guy, about 30 seconds optional. Uh, made it back up front. Uh, ended up getting 8x in two laps by barely touching cars. Um, then I got wrecked out at lap 115, a blinker. It was completely gone for like a half a lap and uh, he kept coming back and at one point I got neck coated to the wall and he wasn't even there when I got neck coated. Uh, and it was like 10 minutes damage and no way I was going to finish. So uh, it did not finish. David, a P10. Yeah, this one took some perseverance and luck. I, uh, like I said earlier, I was really fast on the last 10 laps of, of a set of tires. Um, so I, we had enough long runs that I was able to make some hay in that situation. But I sped on our on the green flag stop. And what's funny is I got slowed down enough. But then I noticed a guy coming in behind me got in a lot better than me. And I was like, I was just paying attention to that and drifted back up over the speed. Um, so I sped. Then the caution comes out with, uh, with me being 20 laps uh, worth of tires. So I say, I'll take the wave around. Several times the caution comes out after I've already had to pit, but the the leaders are still in front of me. In fact, one time I had to take the wave around just to get back to one lap down because I was like in eighth place, but there were still two leaders in front of me. Uh, and but finally, with about 40 to go, I finally got a caution while I was still in the lead lap. And that, that that was actually the one I was in eighth place, I'm sorry. And I came out in 10th place after getting fresh tires and then fought with some of the hardest racing I've ever run 
but at the same time, none of us wrecked. I got up and scraped the wall or got pushed into the wall several times, but was able to keep it from bouncing off and kept, kept my momentum up. And yeah, it was an exciting inning. So um, I stuck with it, stuck with it, stuck with it, and finally got back up to 10th. Yeah. All right. Good run, Justin, P5. Uh, yeah, Mike, um, I, I was in your race, I believe. Uh, started 15th. Nothing went, went right from the beginning. Uh, what happened? Oh, we took that long green flag run. I think it was 50 lap run or something like that. And I was with David the longer the run went, the better I got. Then what, what did happen? Oh yeah. Then, um, I got wrecked, came back, lapped down, got the lucky dog. Then eventually got back on the lead lap the second half of the race and just kind of started chipping away and eventually chipped down to fifth place. So it was just an up and down race. I'm glad I finished. Uh, it's over with. All right. Nice run for your Coke 600. Other racing I ran official, I ran Gen 4 at Darlington, P11. Ran as high as fourth. Uh, we got ran over from a dive bomb bomber from behind. Continued to get run over from various people four or five times and lost track position. Why can't people hold their line and get by you without touching you? I don't get it. I mean, I'm letting other people go by, you know, and, and, and then the, this one guy, I mean, he, he can't get around me without running over me. And so just control your car, people. Other hosted racing I ran, uh, the the key phrase here is wrecked out a, a bunch of hosted racing i got wrecked out never finished any of these dw12 at pocono uh, through chris chris mcguire hosted um then 87 cars at talladega it was started 37th out of 43 of it's so fun to run 43 cars at talladega wrecked out of that one then we ran trucks at dega wrecked out then the old indy car at michigan wrecked out and then uh super late models at southern national this was some random hosted room i jumped in right as they were gritting uh, once i got up to the top five they realized i wasn't one of them and they kicked me out um then i ran old indy car at old phoenix got wrecked out of that one all right with that let's jump to final thoughts brian do you have any uh yeah well, well um I was kind of like Justin this week. I kind of took, took the week off with the all-star race. Um, and um, I just need to refresh. Sometimes you need to just take a step back. Um, it's pretty busy anyway. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to uh, hitting the Coke race this, this week um, or the uh, 600. Um, I probably – I don't know if I'll do the full 600. I'll probably wind up just doing the OBRL race Sunday night. Uh, and we'll go from there. And um, yeah, but I wish everybody a happy, uh, happy weekend, happy holiday coming up, Memorial Day. All right, very good, David Hall. Final thought. I'm kind of a blank slate. Uh, just ready for the majors, I guess. And uh, glad I have a decent finish in there and have luck go my way a little bit. Even though I still am not doing a great job this year because I put myself in that position to begin with with the speeding. So. You know, uh, still feel a little slumpish, but I can really go for it Friday now. All right, Donnie Shaker, final thought? Yeah, no racing this week. Uh, the All-Star race, um, not much on the schedule. However, um, 
I went to the GT side of it and tried to learn how to build sets. So starting from the GT4, I I don't really subscribe to any um, setups shops for road racing. I just kind of use the basic and go from there. And but this time I, I downloaded some flowcharts and some setup sheets from from people online and really just spent time building. Uh, I was driving the Mercedes GT4. Um, actually improving with this, the changes I made, what I, you know, changes I had to undo. And then I started thinking, I put probably about 150 laps in an Alton park, maybe off track once. Um, and those were under, I was running hard to, you know, testing out a set. And I thought if people, what would the racing be like on the service? If people actually put the time in to build their car, to learn the tracks, learn the car as it drives. And, and I don't know, it just, uh, and obviously you get better as you go and it's not all about the, the setup building and this as you learn the track, but I don't know, I guess moral to that long overblown story is, uh, maybe some practice ain't bad. I have a little bit of a response to that one. Um, I don't build my own setup, so I do adjust them, but yeah, getting ready for Charlotte, I ran, you know, 50, 60 laps of really getting to know what it does on the long run. And that, that does pay off, which is why I get so frustrated when, when we have Mike style races with, you know, only 20 lap runs. All right. Justin Pearson, final thoughts. Not much. Just did my first race in a week, uh, last week or yesterday, got my fifth. So that took a lot of pressure off, uh, kind of with Donnie I'm trying to learn a setups little by little I'm I've been kind of YouTube and stuff and yeah I need to I need to figure out a way to loosen that Charlotte setup I think she gets a little tight when it gets dark out all right uh, my final thoughts wow a NASCAR off week for us and um, I didn't race much you got to take that off week when it comes when you run a 36 week season uh, don't uh, keep up the grind, the normal grind, and take that time. And then sure enough, we have an extra long race this week to kind of compensate for that. Now, what did I do in the off week? Um, I made a decision to order something for the office, for the iRacing room, as you call it, for my de- for my uh, my den. I ordered a uh, a print on wood, I guess is what it's called. It's a three foot by two foot kind of poster that's framed. It's not a poster, but it's actual laser print on wood, a colored laser print. Uh, Bobby Jonas, teammate from Sim Raps, uh, put together a fantastic piece of art that includes my NASCAR next-gen paint. Uh, includes the NASCAR logo, the 75th uh, anniversary logo, includes the eNASCAR logo, and the, uh, the iRacing.com kind of uh, overlaid onto the wall behind the car. And it's got a lot of color in it, and and that's really what I wanted. I want something colorful in my office to, to put on the wall. Um, this thing's going to weigh 40 or 50 pounds. It's, it's heavy wood. Um, it's going to last forever. Um, I went to the place that um, I purchased it from and ordered it. It's here local to me. And this woman has this massive laser printer that she prints stuff on wood. And it's usually, uh, you know, people and dogs and and scenic, you know, views and stuff like that. So she was a little surprised to see, uh, you know, a NASCAR car and 
and uh, she's never heard of iRacing, of course, and and so it was interesting talking to people about it, but uh, it's in her uh, queue to be worked. It's not been created yet. I'll probably get it in the next week or two, and I am super excited about it. it cost me about 160 bucks. I'm gonna be probably recommending her to everybody if you want something similar, uh, but it's gonna look fantastic. I can't wait to see what it looks like. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.